Well, good morning. How's everybody doing today? It's doing good. Yes, yes. Well, it's good to see so many people here this morning. What a blessing uh, to be able to be able to come together and to celebrate our King. He is risen, as we heard earlier. We can get an amen for that. So uh, my name is Brian Lamb. Uh, if I haven't had the privilege to meet you, I hope I get that honor sometime soon, maybe even today. Uh, I'm usually, you'll see me picking up stuff, doing all this stuff. So you, you got to stop me because uh, I'm on, I'm a very task-driven person. And so I, I'm just all about that task. But I love people. I really do love people. Uh, so just stop me and say, Brian, quit, quit being a task person. Just come, come get to know me. So I'd love, I would love that opportunity. Um, for the past couple months, uh, throughout the summer, uh, throughout June and, and July and, and much of August, we've been uh, going through this series called The Marks of a Christian. Uh, and this is where we're looking at key marks of spiritual growth in our lives. And, and what we mean by a mark is this visible outward expression or action of the inward heart change that has happened because of the power of the gospel in our lives. And so last week we looked at generosity. Uh, a couple weeks before that, we, we looked at uh, what it means to be devoted to prayer. We've looked at what it means to have a spirit-filled life. We've looked at all of these marks of growth, of this inward impact of the gospel in our hearts and in our lives. And so today, as we get close, we're almost close to ending this series as we finish up the summer. Uh, we're going to look at the mark of hospitality, of being hospitable. Now, this is, this is one that uh, it, it'll hit you. It will. The scriptures will get you on this one. So uh, just to clarify, though, when I say hospitality, I'm not talking about Southern hospitality. I'm not talking about uh, how well you decorate for the holidays or how good your cooking is uh, or how clean your house is. So you're, you're off the hook there. Now, I, I love some good Christmas decorations, and it should be very obvious how much I love a good meal. So it, it, good cooking is good. But that's, that's not what we see when we look at the biblical concept of hospitality. Because, see, the, the Bible says that, that really hospitality is this radical action of kindness and care and opening our homes and our lives to someone who is outside of our household, to a stranger. That, that one of the most radical things, this is crazy, one of the most radical things you can do as a Christian is to simply open your home and invite others in. And so what we will hopefully see today is that this hospitality as we care for others and encourage others and do good towards them, that we would see this certain type of hospitality from the scriptures that comes only from knowing Jesus. The one that's not about us. It doesn't care about how dirty or clean your house is, how big it is, how well you can cook, how extroverted you are or introverted you are, uh, how, how anything. It doesn't care about any of those material things, but, but it's just this simple overflow, this outcome of knowing the hospitality that we have experienced from King Jesus. That, that Jesus, get this, shares a table with you. That the most unlikely of guests he has invited in to his table to dine with him. He, he invites sinful humanity into a relationship with this holy God because of what he has done for us. And so if you would, please open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 7 today. Uh, we're going to go through verse 9. So uh, just a little bit there, but there's a lot packed into it. And so 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 through 9, uh, you're... 
your uh, hard copy of God's Word. You, you, know, you can use an iPad. You can use your, your phone. We, we, we love all uh, venues of how to access God's Word here. So that uh, for you, everybody should have a, a copy of God's Word. And so uh, we're going to start in verse 7 of 1 Peter chapter 4. It says this. It says, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and sober-minded for prayer. Above all, maintain constant love for one another since love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Ooh, that end right there. We're gonna get there. We're gonna get there. That's hard right there, but here we go. Okay, so before we get into all, to all these verses and, and really dissect them, uh, and mainly verse nine is where we're gonna spend most of our time today, I, I wanna make sure that we understand the context of this letter of Peter uh, because it's gonna bring some weight to this subject of hospitality. And so he says here at the beginning of verse seven that the end of all things is near. And that might sound like this doomsday, uh, bad thing that's happening, right? Uh, But really, Peter's using that as a way to communicate hope to them, to communicate this hope of Christ, that, that we are not far from him returning. Because see, the people he's writing to here were exiles, were people that were dispersed from their own homes because of the persecution that had taken place towards Christian during this, Christians during this time. And so these Christians, they've been pushed out of their homes. They've been uh, scattered from their homeland. These are people like, that are like basically modern-day refugees in a sense, people that would be killed for their belief in Jesus. And so throughout this letter, Peter, he's been encouraging them in the gospel to remember that just because of your circumstances that you're facing, just because your culture has rejected you, just because you've even lost your home, God has caused you to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so you have nothing to worry about. Guess what? That home that you got displaced from, it was not even really your home. Your real home is in heaven. You don't have a home here on earth. He's, he's saying here uh, that, that we need to keep our minds, our eyes, our hearts upon Jesus and amidst the, these circumstances that are troubling, that are hard, that, that, that our, where our hope lies would truly be evident as the church, as uh, people working in the city, as people in our homes, um, in all of these areas of our lives, that, that nobody would guess where our hope is. And so... This command to love and to show hospitality that we see here in verses 8 and 9 of chapter 4 is given on the backdrop of extremely difficult times, of times where it might be easier just to give up, just to quit. It's why he says there in verse 7, to be alert, to be sober-minded, to be giving ourselves over to prayer. Because he's saying that the easy thing to do would just to be give up. This, this is just too hard. Just, just let our circumstances dictate what we do and how we treat others. And so instead, Peter's telling them here, he's saying, even in these hard and difficult and strenuous times, it is paramount that you would press into one another and love each other, that you would be hospitable towards one another in order that this living hope of Jesus would continue to burn inside each of you. The hospitality, it's not just this command to go do, but it's one of the key ways that we display and are reminded of the joy of the Lord that we have. And so with all that in mind, let's go back and let's reread seven and eight. It says, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and sober-minded for prayer. 
Above all, maintain constant love for one another since love covers a multitude of sins. We're just gonna stop there. And so Peter, he tells them here, the hope of Jesus is not far from us. And then in verse eight, he says, but above all of those things, we are to maintain a constant love for one another. Some translations, in, like in the ESV, will say an earnest love. We are to love one another earnestly. He's telling us here that this earnest, this constant, this sincere love for one another is a whole sermon in itself to our faith and our hope as believers. Now, that's a whole sermon in itself, and I'm not going to get lost chasing that rabbit down the hole, but I think it's important for us to see here the connection of hospitality and love for one another. In other words, that, that hospitality is really a tangible expression of love. That's what it is. That when we greet others, when we invite others over for dinner, when we open up our lives towards others, when we care for others, when we encourage others, something profound is happening. We are loving others with this love that covers a multitude of sins. See, hospitality is this sacrificial act of love towards another person because guess what? It's hard. It can be difficult. It, it runs contrary to our selfish desires. We don't like to be inconvenienced by other people. We don't even like to be inconvenienced by family. But true love, get this, true love is a sacrifice and an inconvenience for the betterment of another person. That's what it is. True love is opening up your messy home. It's stepping outside of your comfort zone to greet another person. It's involving someone else in your life to make a difference in their life. And so what it looks like to maintain this constant love, this earnest love for one another is to be hospitable towards one another. And so what does hospitality, being hospitable truly mean that we see there in verse nine? Because it's a command we see here that we are to be hospitable to one another. Well, I think a lot of us, we have really a limited view of what hospitality really is. We, we primarily think of it as just being nice, of saying help, maybe even saying hello, greeting somebody, maybe actually starting a conversation with somebody. We might get real risky and invite them over to our house. I'm not sure though. But see, there's so much more depth to this biblical concept of hospitality than, than even just those things. See, the, the concept of hospitality from the Bible means to open up our world, everything we are, to those that are outside of it. It is to care for, to encourage, to invite those that are outside of your household into your household. To treat someone who's not family by blood like they are family by blood. The literal meaning of the Greek word is, to, is the love of strangers. And so while, yes, it's greeting new people, it's also, though, welcoming people into our lives. If you look throughout the Bible, you'll see this act of hospitality absolutely everywhere. It's jam-packed. There's, it's not just a, a New Testament church idea. It's not just something Peter came up with off the whim. It, but throughout the Old Testament, we see many times where hospitality, it appears, and, and as they would provide water and bread for guests, they would provide meals and places of rest and opportunities to, to wash and clean themselves for people that were traveling. Uh, we see those that provide protection for, for those who are in danger. We even see in 2 Kings 4, where 
where the Shunammite woman has her husband go and build another room on her house. I mean, she's got some pull. She's like, hey, man, you're going to go build us another room uh, for Elisha. And she furnishes that room as well with, with a bed and a chair and a table and a lamp so that he would be comfortable there. And so she's this, this host towards Elisha. Uh, hospitality, it was actually a command from the Lord to his people. We see this in Exodus 22, 21 and Leviticus 19, 33 through 34, that the Israelites, they were commanded to treat foreigners well, to welcome the poor into their homes, that, that Israel was to be a place of refuge and hospitality to all people as a reminder of their own uh, place in, in Egypt when they were foreigners. We see in Numbers 20, the lack of hospitality by other nations is condemned by God. And then as you move into the New Testament, we see where Jesus taught on the importance of hospitality and how it helps extend the gospel beyond social and ethnic barriers of that time with parables like the Good Samaritan. We see that he lives this out of what it means to be hospitable as he's known for spending time with the tax collectors and the sinners, those who were the least of. We see Jesus allude to the importance of it as he scolds Simon the Pharisee in Luke 7 for being a poor host because he did not greet him with a kiss, provide water for his feet or oil for his head. We see in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1 that it's listed as a characteristic necessary for a person that's going to hold the office of elder in the church, that highest point of leadership in the church. And then when, when Jesus wanted to show Peter, who wrote this letter, the full implications of the gospel and in the house of Cornelius, where Peter learns this peace of Christ that surpasses ethnic barriers through hospitality. We see hospitality absolutely everywhere. It's jam-packed throughout the Bible because it's this tool that God uses through us to make a gospel impact in others' lives where they would hear and see and experience this hospitality of us and they would see God. Whether that's through providing a meal where we're able to have these eternal conversations with one another, we're giving them a place of rest and refuge or we're just enjoying life together. It's this act of benefiting others for the sake of the gospel. And so I know that for me in my life, I have benefited so much from, hospitality, from the hospitality of others. Um, through, through others' love towards me, I have grown in my faith, in my joy, in my love of Jesus. See, the, the way I was discipled in my late teens and early 20s by guys like Jason Williams and Randy Wood and Jason Lewis and Brandon, who sang for us, my brother-in-law, a bunch of guys you don't know, but that are very dear to me, was that, the, that th it was through their hospitality. That's my, how my discipleship happened. That, that I was constantly, all the time, at their homes. I had my own home, but I was at theirs. And so I was eating dinner, I was watching how they parented their kids, watching how they treated their wives, uh, just having gospel conversations with them, um, being able to just interact with them, ask questions about life and how this works and about Jesus and about the Bible and all of these things. It was through the hospitality of these men as they allowed me to step into their world, as they called me family, that I began to grow more and more and more in my love for Jesus. There wasn't anything spectacular about their homes they didn't have like all these cool material objects. It was just the way they lived their lives and how they invited me into that as well. So we spent a lot of time at the dinner table where I had to this day the best banana pudding I've ever had in my life. If you've had better, I promise you haven't. Leah Lewis. Uh, we spent a lot of time watching football. We spent a lot of time around a fire pit talking late into the night. And so as that chapter of my life though began to, to close, I then met my wife, Allie. 
And I was given another amazing example of what hospitality is that began to grow my faith even more as I watched how her parents, Paul and Janet Wynn, brought anyone and everyone into their home. At many family holidays, there were lots of people there that were not family by blood, that, that didn't have a family to go celebrate with, but were celebrating it with the winds. There's many times where they hosted and to this day continue to host countless youth events and church functions and small groups and dinners and allow people to live with them, to move in with them because they're going through a hard time. That they inconvenience themselves to show hospitality to others. And it's from these examples in my life that the Lord began to teach Allie and I as a couple how to be hospitable in our lives as well. I've not succeeded at this. It's not, I'm not great at it, but it's something that I do desire and that she desires as well to where I've grown in my life through hospitality, not just the hospitality that's been given to me, but through the hospitality that I have extended to others. See, see, I've grown as the Lord has called me to show hospitality, and I have said yes to that call, um, and not in ways that I really enjoy, but in ways that sanctify me, that show me I, I'm pretty selfish. I'm pretty impatient. I don't really enjoy inconvenience. And, and one time in particular, about four years ago, um, Allie, God told Allie and I, to take in these two teenagers, brother and sister, um, from the student ministry that I was leading at the time. And so they came to, to live with us. They were having a rabbi. Dad got his stuff together. And so uh, I, I remember that we, we kind of wore that as a badge of pride. Like, look at us. We took in two teenagers. What are you doing with your life? Just second year of marriage. What's up? You know, I mean, it was kind of like this badge of pride. And we were quickly humbled. Quickly humbled. Uh, the boy in particular, he, he was a challenge. And I love him to this day, kind of. Um, I, I, I promise you, I, I love him. But man, it's just like everywhere I went, there he was. <laughs> I, I can't go to the bathroom and he's, he's there. Man, well, how'd you do that? Right? I mean, I get home from a long day at work and he's there sitting in my chair and watching my TV. Right? Like Allie and I, we try to watch a movie. He'd come in, turn the movie off and start playing his Xbox. Like... Or we'd be talking and he'd just come in with his guitar and start playing his guitar and singing. I'm like, bro, you got your own room. Like we gave you your own room. That didn't happen many times because I got pretty quick. Magically, a TV appeared in his room. <laughs> I had that Xbox all hooked up, ready to go when you got off school. Hey, come, come here, watch this. You stay here, right? I remember one time when uh, Allie... She'd had a, a rough day, uh, just a long day. She gets home. She cooks for all of us. He gives it one look. And he goes, uh, can we order pizza? I'm not going to eat that. <laughs> you should have seen her face. Uh, I believe the words were, you eat this or you never eat again. <laughs> See, it, it's crazy, though. I mean, like, the Lord used the challenging inconvenience the tiredness of that to teach me and to teach Allie and we'll teach you this blessing of joy that comes when we give hospitality to others. Hebrews 13, two, I love this. It says, do not neglect to show hospitality for by doing this, for by doing this some have welcomed angels as guests without knowing it. Meaning there may be a blessing for you in your hospitality that you have no idea of. It's this way of saying, as you've done unto the least of these, you've done it unto Jesus. 
right? It's another way to say that, that, that we, as we, as we go around and we show hospitality, that the Lord would bless us, that he would, maybe not in material things, maybe not in our bank account growing, but, but just spiritually, in this joy for him, because it reminds us of our joy in him as he is the greatest host of all. See, when we show hospitality towards others or when we accept it from others, we begin to grow in our likeness of and our desire for Jesus because it reminds us of this God who has extended hospitality to us, of this God who has invited us who were strangers into his kingdom, this God who came and rescued us from sin and death, who adopted us as sons and daughters, who fed us when we were hungry, who quenches our thirst, who clothes us with righteousness, this God who's prepared a banquet table for us to sit at and feast at for eternity. See, we're reminded of God who has shown his grace and kindness to us over and over and over and over again. This God who loves strangers, aliens, enemies, and he loves us so much that he goes to the point of the sacrifice of his son for a sinful, rebellious people against him that we would be able to have everlasting joy in his presence. However, when we receive that hospitality, that kind of hospitality, this grace and this kindness of the Lord, and we don't extend it to others, our own experience of God's hospitality begins to decay, begins to shrivel away. Our joy in the Lord can begin to decrease because we are closing our, as we close ourselves off to the practice of extending the hospitality that we know from God, we're essentially pouring water on the flames of our faith. See, we, we need to spend time in the word. We need to spend time in prayer. We need to spend alone time with God. Those things are good, good disciplines, but you gotta get past those as well. He wants to use you. We've got to be able to have this practice of no, practicing what we know, right? But, but there's, there's, see, there's this joy that's found when we share our lives with others, when we serve others, when we have these spiritual conversations about Jesus, where we begin to grow in our knowledge and in our joy and love of Jesus. Now, I'm sure in the ideal world, all this sounds real nice. Sounds real nice. Yes, I, sign me up. I need to be more hospitable in my life. I, I'm gonna invite somebody over. But in the real world, we many times come to this with many excuses. Like, it's, it's a great idea. I'm gonna go from here. I'm gonna invite somebody. Ah, uh, well, we really don't have a night open. And so it, this is really a spiritual fight. It's you that you don't have what it takes to share your life with somebody else whether that's through your scheduling issues, your, your energy, your fatigue, your money, your self-image. There's always gonna be a reason to not invite somebody else into your life. But hospitality, see, it's worth the fight because what we see here is that there's a blessing from it. What we see here is that you and I, as believers in Christ, have been called to be inconvenienced here because Christ inconvenienced himself for us. So in verse nine, Peter's telling us here to be a people who are hospitable. That even in the midst of suffering and persecution and difficult trials, we are to show hospitality. That through this act of love, we would be blessed to see our joy increase in the Lord as we come to know more of his hospitality towards us. However, he also tells us, and this is where we're going to the end of verse 9, to do this in a certain manner. This is key to understanding how Christian hospitality is so much different than worldly hospitality. 
See, Christian hospitality is meant to point others beyond just the person extending it, beyond just the host. It's meant to point people to the beauty and the glory and the kindness of our heavenly host, of God. Hospitality, it's not about making much of ourselves. It's not about how much stuff we have, but it's about making much of Jesus. It's why he says to do it without complaining, without grumbling, as the ESV says. And so what makes Christian hospitality different is the believer's attitude in the action of it. That it's done without complaint or grumble. And I don't know about for you, but for me in my life, this is where the real challenge comes in. This is where the real challenge came in when we took those teenagers in, where where my heart was truly exposed. Because I complained. I grumbled. And we all do it sometimes, right? Even the best guests will outstay their welcome pretty quick. (laughs) I love you said that, Mama Smith, but yet we're called. We are called as Christians, as we see here, to provide it without whining, without complaining, without grumbling about the time, the expense, or the inconvenience that it might take upon us. Remember that that hospitality is this expression of constant or earnest love Peter's words here at the end of verse nine, as he says to be hospitable without complaint, corresponds to that constant or that earnest love that he talks about in verse eight. That if we are truly sincere in our love for others, then we won't be complaining or grumbling in the way that we, uh, in some way that we will then hinder how our love and hospitality are to do the things it's supposed to do, which is to point people to God. See, true hospitality, the giving of our time and resources for the benefit of others is to come from a cheerful, eager, willing heart that can only be brought upon by the power of the gospel in our own lives. See, see, God's not in the business of your begrudging obedience. He doesn't want that. He, he wants us to operate from a cheerful and eager heart in all that we do, not just here in hospitality, but in all that we do. And so if we, though, operate from a worldly perspective in our hospitality, then it's going to be about us. It's going to be about what people think of our house and our cooking and our presentation. And what this is saying here is if it's about us, then we're going to be a bunch of complaining crybabies, a bunch of little toddlers running around who are more concerned with these temporal material things than the eternal soul that's sitting across the table from us. See, Christian hospitality is meant to be this effective ways that we have to display the glory of God. That when it is done with joy rather than complaint in the face of inconvenience and even suffering like the people who Peter is writing this to here, it's something that brings glory to our Father. Because the the world, they don't have a category for those that are rejected, are criticized, are inconvenienced, are afflicted, are even persecuted, and yet still rejoice and serve and show hospitality and love other people. How? That's what they're asking. How? Now, you and I, we've got it much easier. We're not facing persecution here. There may be a day when we do, but we're not doing that today. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't have, we should, it means we should still have this mindset amongst us. This, this concept should be practiced by all of us. We need to have a joyful attitude in our hospitality rather than a complaining attitude. It's the primary way that people are directed at the supernatural and beyond us. Hey, God, because, because they're thinking to themselves, like, there's just no way 
that these people should be this nice to me. Like my kid just broke their TV and pooped on their expensive rug. I don't understand. Like they don't even want me to pay for it. They just are trying to get me to sign up to come over for another time so my kid can break more of their stuff. Like it just doesn't make sense to me. How do they have this much joy? Like did you, you saw what my kid did to your stuff, right? And you don't care? It's not an inconvenience? No. We, we got savings. Maybe we don't. <laughs> We didn't need that TV. Maybe the Lord wants us to read some more of the, more of the word. It's just his way of telling us. Right? Amen. See, that, that, that does something. That puts the gospel on full display for all to see, for all that are in attendance. Philippians 2, 14 through 15, it reminds me of this verse that says, do everything, not just hospitality, everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may be blameless and pure, children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation among whom you shine like stars in the world. And so we see here again in this passage that, that as we do things without grumbling, without complaining, without arguing, that we shine like stars for the world to see us. We're the light of Jesus Christ. That as we do these good works and we love and we serve and we show hospitality to others from the place of joy, we display whose we are as the children of God and what he has done for us in Jesus. So as we uh, begin to close out our time today, uh, we've got plenty to go through still, but I just wanna give you four encouragements as we close out. Um, and so the first one, uh, just an encouragement for uh, just our lives in hospitality is to remember that while Peter is primarily talking about showing hospitality to care and to provide for the needs of fellow believers, uh, hospitality is something that is to be offered to all people. See, we are to be hospitable to all. Uh, Jesus says in Luke 14, I love this, in Luke 14, verses 12 through 14, he says, he also said to the one who had invited his friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors, because they might invite you back and you would be repaid. On the contrary, when you host a banquet, invite those who are poor, maimed, lame, or blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. See, Jesus is showing us here that, that in our hospitality, it's not about what we get out of it, it's not about what we get out of it. It's about the gospel. It's about the good news of Jesus. Therefore, we need to be sharing and showing hospitality to all people because the gospel is about all people. So back in 2010, I got to go to New York City with some of my family. Uh, and so my sister and I, we were actually, we're twins. She's here today. And uh, we were born on New Year's Eve. And so it's a pretty cool birthday. And not just because you get double the presents around Christmas time, uh, but like everybody's partying on our birthday. It's pretty awesome. Uh, all, everybody's celebrating. Like they even have this ball drop in our honor. It's awesome. Uh, and so... We've always wanted to go to, to Times Square and see that happen. I mean, it's about us, and so we just wanted to go see it. Uh, so we got that opportunity back in 2010, and so uh, we, we went there, and we wanted to go. We had no clue, and so we're you know, going to our, our birthday dinner, and then uh, myself, my dad, Katie, and, and Brandon, who just sang for us, we all head out about 8 p.m. Uh, to try to get a spot in Times Square to see the ball drop and be a part of our birthday party. And so <clears throat> we get there uh, about, a, about a block away, and we see all these checkpoints up and all these barricades, and we're like, there's police everywhere. Like, what's, what's going on? Well, I guess it's Times Square. Okay, well, we'll just go up there. And so we go up there, and the officer looks at me. He goes, uh, so it's closed? I was like, 
it's not close. Look at all the people out here. That didn't work. Uh, he, he wasn't feeling my sarcasm that night. Uh, but anyways, so as we we're trying to figure out like, okay, well, what, what do we do here? Like, we really want to get in there and see all of this and be a part of it. Well, this guy, uh, he's like, hey, I've got these passes. It's such and such dollars and we'll get you through all the checkpoints. And I was like, okay. Um, and so he saw us, us Texans, our, us naive people from Fort Worth, Texas, from a mile away. So anyway, so he's, uh, he shows, you know, the officer, the passes and, and we're going to roll with that. And so I walk through, my dad walks through the checkpoint. My sister walks through my brother-in-law, Brandon, he starts to walk through and the officer's like, stop, sir. Where are you going? He's like, well, I, I'm with them, right? <laughs> I mean, I showed, like, he showed you the passes and we're supposed to get in and all this. Sir, this is closed. You can't come in here. He's like, no, 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 this is, this, like, I, I'm with that, like, that's my wife, that's my father-in-law, that's my brother-in-law, like, that, we're all a family, right? I mean, I know I don't really look like her, but we're all a family, right? And so I go over there, and, and he's still, you know, a little upset from my sarcasm earlier, so he doesn't listen to me, and so then the guy with the passes goes over there, and he's like, hey, yeah, he's with us. So they talk, and, and finally Brandon gets through. Like, that was kind of weird, and so then we get up to this second checkpoint, Right? I go through, dad goes through, Katie's gonna stay behind to make sure Brandon gets through. Brandon starts to walk, sir, stop, where are you going? <laughs> Ma'am, come on through. Let's Katie go through as he's got her <laughs> stopped. It's awesome. And so he stops him and lets her through and my dad and I were just cracking up laughing, right? This is just hilarious. And so again, this is closed, sir. You can't come in here. So the guy goes with the passes, all that. And that, now it's funny. It's pretty funny. We get to the third checkpoint. I go through, dad goes through, Katie goes through. Sir, stop, what are you doing? Where are you going? <laughs> three times in a row, three times. And he's the only one with a beard. Maybe that was it, I don't know. Uh, I didn't have a beard back then. But he gets stopped a third time. Now I'm cracking up. I mean, me and dad are just teasing him. Katie's off worried about him and, and he's just red-faced mad, just frustrated as can be. It was the perfect family moment. Uh, I wish we had a, a camera and took a picture of it, but we didn't. Um, and then we all get to the fourth checkpoint. We all get denied. Bryn's like, yeah, how do you think it feels, right? And so we all get denied. We go to this comedy club because that's where the passes were too. He, that nice New York man lied to us, right? And uh, listen to the, the worst comedy ever. We get out and it, everything's done. We didn't get to be there, but we did get to see like kind of all the confetti stuff was still dropping and we were there just like right at the end. I tell that long story, one, to make fun of Brandon because he's here today, but two, there are many of us that we put up these checkpoints in our lives. We don't let people in because they look different. We, we may not see much of a return on our investment from them. And so we don't engage them. We don't initiate relationships with them. We actually begin to block them from coming into the celebration of the gospel. See, we put up these checkpoints, these barricades in our lives that we operate with. We all have prejudices and our preferences to dictate what we do and who we talk to. It's this part of our sinful nature. It's an effect of the fall. And the only remedy is the gospel of Jesus Christ because Jesus, he has broken every barricade, every wall, every checkpoint that we put up to try to divide ourselves. See, because the gospel is for all people. It doesn't matter what ethnicity you are, what social class you are. It doesn't matter if you've been to prison or if you haven't. It doesn't matter any of that. It's for all people. See, he hasn't just opened the gates, the checkpoints for some, for one type of person, for somebody who looks like you or thinks like you or acts like you, but he has opened it up for all nations, all peoples, every tribe, every tongue. 
And so we need to begin to ask ourselves, if there is access to God by Jesus alone for all people, then how does that affect who I'm showing hospitality to? Are you showing hospitality towards people from other ethnicities, from other nations, from other social classes, or is your unity found in who's like you rather than the cross? See, a great way to take an inventory of this in your life is to simply look at who have you had in your home. How does your dinner time shine forth the peace that Christ has died for all people? See, hospitality is one of the ways we do that. The, the, the second encouragement is to, in growing in your hospitality is to simply engage people. See, as believers, we need to be the ones who make the first move, begin to initiate relationships in our lives through hospitality. I know my introverts in here are like, no, I can't do that. Yes, you can. I promise you, you can. Romans 12, 13 tells us that we need to pursue hospitality. We need to seek it out. That if hospitality doesn't mark our lives, it's more than likely because we aren't pursuing people and trying to initiate relationships with others. People are not just gonna show up at your doorstep. They got their own stuff to do. They got their own families, their own hobbies, their own things to do. Like wishing you could be more hospitable without engaging other people is like wishing for a million dollars to show up in your bank account. It's not, it's not gonna happen. And so with that, I just wanna chat through a couple of practical things when we are engaging other people. I love it. Another one, uh, some some practical things about when we engage with other people and about initiating relationships. One, just just a rule is is that we need to greet everyone we see. We need to, everybody we see, that's a gospel opportunity for you. That's an opportunity for you to be hospitable. And we need to extend a handshake, a dab, a high five. Whatever you do, we need to do that. Another one that goes along with this, and I hear a lot of people, they will, they will use this as an excuse and just, oh, I can't do this. But something important is to remember people's names. Yeah, I'm gonna call you out this morning. Remember people's names. They're a person, aren't they? What's one of the most simple ways that we can show that we care? that somebody is important, that somebody has value is by remembering their name. I started to think through, you know, I, 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 I used to be that person, like, oh, I'm the worst at that, and so I just didn't try it. And, and then God did something in my heart. He's like, hey, you know all those NFL guys, all their stats. You know every Texas Ranger that's playing. You know all the new TCU recruits. You know them by name, and you know their stats, and you know their numbers. You can remember somebody's name that you meet. You can remember that. It's one of the, it's, it's just part of that sacrifice. It's not a hard sacrifice, but it's a little bit. It's a sacrifice in hospitality. It's part of that constant and earnest love of others. And then the final way is just take, we need to take the initiative to get to know others, not just know of them, but know about them. And this means that, that when we meet people, we need to ask open-ended questions, not just yes or no questions. We need to ask the why, the how, the what, the who See, we live in a world where, where people, they're desperate for real relationships rather than these surface level acquaintances that we often operate in through our lives. And so we need to be a people that build relationships where we can have those deep eternal conversations with others through our hospitality towards them. The third encouragement to grow in our hospitality is we need to begin to open our lives to others. One of the primary ways for us to do this is to open our home towards others because it's the hub of our lives. It's where real life happens. 
Now, I, I know there's probably some in here that, that don't have uh, a home to open up because of the season of life that you're in. Um, it, it just doesn't allow you to, but, but that doesn't mean you're off the hook here. It just means that you've got to get creative with how you do this, to invite people. Remember, it's, it's opening up our lives, so invite people into your life. It's real simple. I'm going to go to a movie. I'm going to invite somebody. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to invite somebody. I'm going to go to the park. I'm going to invite somebody. Opening up our lives. But for those of us that do have a home, whether that's a big old house or that's an itty-bitty apartment that you can only fit maybe one or two other people in, both are a gift from the Lord. To be used for him in our hospitality. See, opening your life is as easy as inviting somebody over for dinner. You're going to eat anyways, aren't you? You're going to eat. And so just buy a little more food and invite somebody over. If you can't cook, order two pizzas. Maybe get some wings. It might be a better night, right? Like, it's not about what you have. It's about the conversation. It's about what you're trying to do. It's the effort. And so the Bible, over and over, it talks about just the goodness and the holiness of the dinner table. It's a place where we can have good conversation around what God has done and who he is and our fears and our dreams and our hopes and our life. It's one of the most life-giving times that you can have in your week to invite others over and to talk about God. Sadly, though, we put more stock, more stock in bringing people to church to hear about God rather than inviting them to our house to experience God. So we put more faith in having them come listen to someone else talk about the gospel rather than sharing the good news of Jesus through our own hospitality with that person. See, a night at your dinner table or spending time with others through your daily life where you care for and you encourage and you invest in somebody will do more for that person than bringing them to come here Valentine ever will. I love him, he's amazing, but he's not God and he's not the gospel. See, when we begin to open our lives and our homes, this welcome becomes a witness. This invitation becomes an eternal investment in somebody else's life. And so our lives and our tables need to be a place of eternal value and kingdom advancement. And, and the final encouragement, and we're about to pray and have communion and all those things, but the final encouragement as we grow in our hospitality is to know that as we are being hospitable to all, as we are encouraging others, as we are opening our lives and our homes, we are actually serving Jesus. See, when we are caring for and loving and serving others through hospitality, we're caring and loving and being hospitable to Jesus himself. He says that in Matthew 25, starting in verse 35, he says, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. And then in verse 40, he says, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. See, Jesus is referring to our hospitality here. That when we welcome others into our homes, when we feed them, when we give them a drink, when we welcome the stranger off the street, when we clothe them, when we take care of the sick, when we spend time with those in prison, we are being hospitable. That, that that's hospitality when we're opening up our world to others, letting them inside. It's like welcoming Jesus into our lives. He's saying that the hospitality really indicates true discipleship. It indicates true faith and love for Jesus because it flows from being connected to him. That as he shares his table with us, as he invites us in to dine as his sons and daughters, we are then to go out and share our tables with others. 
See, you can be hospitable wherever you are in life. You don't buy the lie of the enemy, the food or whatever it might be when all you truly need is Jesus Christ. Let's take some time and pray. Father, as we get ready for communion and uh, just a time to be able to uh, come at your table, Father, would you remind us of what you have done for us? Father, would you remind us that you have been kind, that you have been gracious, that you have given us mercy, that you have given us eternal life? Father, that you have provided a place where there is no more death, no more tears, no more suffering. Father, that you have provided a place where we get to be in your presence, where the, the glory of you will be our sun. There'll be no need for sun or moon because of your glory. Father, we will have everlasting joy. Within the Father, would you do something in our hearts that reminds us of that in this moment? that we would then in return show your hospitality to others. Father, would you make Omni a place that reveals your heart to others through the way that we inconvenience ourselves as you have done for us? Father, would you give us the courage? Father, would you give us the strength to be able to lay down our preferences, our prejudices, our selfishness, Father, because we know that, that really doing your will is where true joy is found. So, Father, we ask for you to do what only you can do in the hearts of your people. We ask all this in your son's most holy name. Amen.